This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode of Hafta in the peak of the COVID era, but it has also been uh, the time when lots of other disasters have hit us. Today on the panel, uh, we have Manisha Pandey. Hello. Mehraj Lone. Hello. I'm Abhinandan Sekri and joining us from Kolkata is Shoaib Danyal. Uh, Shoaib is assistant at Red Scroll. Hi, Shoaib. Hi, Abhinandan. Just a little announcement for all our wonderful subscribers and listeners. News Laundry had its first COVID case. We are satisfied to tell you that it's under control. Our colleague is well and recovering and should be home shortly. Uh, that's the reason we are recording this episode from our homes. Usually we record in office, Manisha, Mehraj, me and Raman sir all come to office as does a colleague who drives us there. But because our colleague who drove us, who drives us usually, uh, you know, one at a time also went to get tested. We said till your results come, let all of us stay home. And then when your results come and you're fine, then you can start driving us one at a time there again. So yeah, our colleague should be fine soon. The reason I'm not revealing our colleague's name is because our colleague doesn't want the name revealed. But uh, yes, our colleague is fine. Well, before we get into the discussion, uh, we'll go into the headlines. But before that, I have a few important announcements. One is how to download or access the Hafta. Uh, recently, we've migrated our podcast from SoundCloud to Acast. Uh, there's a better service there and it's part of building our, new, our own and new podcast player. So it's easy to download or access Hafta episodes now. You'll find a download link in all full Hafta posts on the website, right in the first line. It's a one-click download and you can access and consume it or go offline and consume it. So we, you know, we'll let you do that download. Secondly, uh, we are getting a little more aggressive on our gift subscription. Many of you who are students or are not working right now and can't afford to subscribe. We have several subscribers who very generously offer to sponsor the subscription of some other subscribers. So right now uh, you can actually on our social media, we post, you just put your name there, you fill the form. And then as and when subscriptions, sponsorships come in, you will get your gift and free subscriptions. The current media crisis has impacted you know, everybody, but including News Laundry, as you know, uh, many of our events have been canceled this year. Many of you have stepped up and increased your contribution. Thank you so much for that. We have a wonderful bunch of very generous subscribers. Thanks, guys. Many of you have actually contributed and said, please sponsor the subscription for five or seven other people. I really, really appreciate that. Those of you who've had to cancel or pause your subscription, it's fine. When you are financially more stable, I'm sure you'll restart. Until then, we'll see if you can get others to sponsor your subscriptions. And if you are able to, and if you're slightly better off, do try to gift a subscription or sponsor the subscription to your friend or family who can't afford it anymore till they get a job. And if you want to get into this gift a subscription, you know, family or team, send us a mail at contact at and tell us what is your contribution amount you'd like to make. We will send you a payment link. It won't require any sign-up or OTP or any hassle. After you pay, we can map the subscription manually because some of you from the overseas are not able to actually contribute more than just those fixed amounts. And we have some new NL Sena projects. Um, we will have one on the aftermath of the Delhi riots, where all those cases have led to, where they will lead, what are the investigations being done, how fair have those investigations been. It is going to be done by Ayush and Basant. So do check it out. And if you can, do please contribute to that NLSNA project. And finally, we have a new Australia-New Zealand group. So we had a US group, we had Europe group. 
So we've started one for Australia, New Zealand. We had a Europe one as well, but that's becoming bigger. So if you're a subscriber from any of these countries and you're not in these groups and want to be on these WhatsApp groups, please write to us at contact at newslaundry.com and your WhatsApp number and we will add you to these groups. So Manisha, could you give us the headlines now that I've bored everybody to death? <laughs> Uh, the big headlines of this week was actually Cyclone Amphan. Um, we now know a little detail about how devastating it was. 85 people have lost their lives, uh, mostly in West Bengal. Uh, 1.5 crore people in the state have been directly affected and about 10 like homes have been destroyed. Uh, you had uh, early this week, uh, the Prime Minister visit uh, West Bengal and they've also announced a relief package. So that was one of the major uh, headlines. India is facing a locust swarm, the worst ever in 30 years. I think Pakistan's already uh, had one. I mean, Pakistan's yes. been dealing with this and now uh, the locust has made its way to India. Some very uh, disturbing visuals from uh, Jaipur, in fact. It was quite scary. Yeah, uh, there's border tensions have been in news for quite some time now. There have been some unusual activity around the Pangongso Lake area where the, the Chinese indulging in a bit of aggressive patrolling. We can talk about that. Then there's also a bit of tension with Nepal uh, that we discussed last week. But while the Indian media, interestingly, has kind of ignored China, they've kind of gone after Nepal and said, oh, China is doing this. So we could probably discuss that. Uh, there have been close to six deaths of migrants on Shramik trains who've been, uh, you know, been on these trains to go back home. Deaths mostly caused because of hunger and starvation. And uh, I think that that. That was one of the major news points. And also the train diversions. We witnessed, I think, two to three train diversions. Yeah, and from Chapra, it reached, I don't know, Karnataka. I don't know. It... Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that also made news. When went to Orissa, I think. Right. And there was this uh, video in the morning of uh, passengers who said they have been taken to four states mm. and they have still not reached home yet. Yeah, and the problem is that these trains don't have food or water. And which is why we've seen, yeah. I mean, there are complaints at least that a lot of them don't. And all the platforms are empty. There are no shops. So it's, you know, once you're on that train, you could just practically no way for you to like score, get yourself some water or food. So that's why we've seen these deaths. Government has opened up Arogya Setu program code, announces reward for finding security flaws. That is confidence. I'm impressed. Uh, but there's a lot of controversy over that. People are saying these are only half measures. It's not the whole thing. The source code is not the whole thing. They're still yeah. trying to hide something. So uh, these things have just come in. So we'll need to read upon this and see what is happening. And yes. what people Maybe some, some maybe techie can write in for us. All you hardcore tech overachiever geniuses listening to this, send us something on contact at newslaundry.com yeah, about this open source. How good or bad an idea is it and how impressed are you or not? Uh, ICMR has removed a price cap on COVID testing. Earlier, it was capped at around 4,500. That limit has uh, been taken out. And India has resumed flight services. There were some delays and some cancellations, but people are now, by and large, seem to be flying from one city to the other fairly smoothly. Uh, Rahul Gandhi's remarks made a lot of news, again, as usual, where he basically said that he was questioned about Maharashtra and the coronavirus crisis there. And he said that there's a big difference between decision-making and supporting a government and that we don't have a decision-making role in Maharashtra. We're just supporting a government. I'm not really sure why this created. I mean, it's a silly thing to say, but it's kind of true. That's the first thing even I thought when I saw the bite, but later when I thought about it, I think it, it's a dumb thing to say. But yeah, yeah, we, I mean, it's, yeah some... it's again one of those really politically dumb things to say, even if it's true. And Karnataka is going to be opening up mosques, churches and temples from June 1st. God knows why. Yeah, this is something that I would want to talk about a bit, especially because this is an issue that has been discussed in many parts of the world. This is something we have in common. There's a debate that's happening in many countries. So yeah, I'd like to discuss that. I think Manisha put it well. God knows why. 
<laughs> yes. Well done. And Manisha's homestead Uttarakhand was in the news because there was this images floating around that there are forest fires and even you on our news on your WhatsApp group had got very concerned and it turns out those are old. Who said it's old? It's not old. There is forest fire. Yeah, but not to that extent. It's not that big a deal. It's, they, they say it's not more or less than normal. This is just you being Delhi media ignoring uh, state concerns. <laughs> But authorities from your state have said, please don't believe all these visuals. They are from, uh, some of no, them are some from... Of them are, some of them were also Australia ke forest fires. I don't yeah. know. This is not show nevertheless bad. It's nevertheless. And it's yearly, it's been bad. It's been progressively bad for the last few years. Right. And of course, in other news, Ivanka Trump draws flag for that tweet praising uh, that migrant who was who cycled carrying her differently abled father and I thought even the Indian sports ministry said we'll give her a chance she says no thanks I don't want your chance what ridiculous this whole incident was really ridiculous yeah yeah I think the Times of India misreported that because we uh, had a story uh, on we spoke to her uh, Jyoti Kumari and her father also she says she's focused on her studies, but uh, if she gets an invitation from the Cycling Federation to come for a trial, she'll definitely go for it. So do read that story in newslawney.com. So uh, we will uh, begin with this shocking and um, rather horrible disaster that struck Bengal last week. And in fact, we have an email from a subscriber who said that we should have discussed it in a little more detail. Uh, and I'll come to that a little later in the emails. But why we didn't do it is that it had struck the day before we actually recorded. And that day, everything was down. And since we didn't have anyone on the ground there, we thought we'd give it a couple of days before we got someone to tell us exactly what happened. Yeah, in fact, like, we read the morning newspapers. I'd given a little brief on the fact that by at that time, we'd only knew that three people had died. And then, of course, the death toll rose to about 85 people. So we, there was very little information because yeah, everything was down. So we couldn't really give details on what really happened. So Shoaib, you was there right through. Give us an idea of how bad was it when it struck? What does it actually feel like to be, you know, in the middle of a cyclone? And uh, ever since, how is Bengal recovering? What's the extent of damage? Yeah, you know, so I mean, cyclones aren't that uncommon in the Bay of Bengal. In fact, it's probably one of the world's most cyclone-infested places. But by mm. any standard, Ampan was just this monster thing that swept in. Uh, I think uh, speeds went up to basically something like two, uh, like you know, two fifty kilometers an hour Whoa. at its max. So, which is just I don't I don't even know. I mean, how to visualize that? It probably didn't go as high as in Calcutta, because I guess. Like it is a congested place. Uh, the storm was quite scary. You know, we, uh, my flat did, I mean, actually we did have some damage actually. As it so happened, you know, we got up in the morning and we found we had no water. And, you know, we tried to put on the pump and the pump would go on normally, but there would be no water in that tap. So it actually turned out that a flying asbestos sheet had crashed into our pipe and smashed it. So, you know, all these sort of things happened. But the places hardest hit would be like right along the coast, right? Kolkata is a little inside, basically. That's true. That's true. So basically, so, you know, just to give, give, give you, uh, give the listeners a little uh, geography lesson. So it, there's a, there's a thick, there's the Sundarpans forest, which sort of hugs the Bengal coast. And that really protects Bengal. But of course, that means that the people in the Sundarpans really get ramped. You know, this is why, for example, 
while cyclones arise in the bay of bengal you will always hear of odisha getting really badly hit true true yeah you know and yeah. bengal and bangladesh while they do get hit but usually you know they don't go through that sort of calamitous thing because of sundarbans protects us and odisha there is no there is no protection for odisha you know so odisha has beaches and we don't like there there are no beaches in bengal really because our access to the sea is cut off by these by these mangrove deltas right which is that's the negative but positive is you know it protects us from cyclones but this was so fearsome that it it actually came into calcutta also which is a good it is a good 100 kilometers from the sea at speeds of 180 190 at some places were measured so yeah i mean it was it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty scary sight that day and of course the city then went through a uh, terrible problems for the next a few days in fact in many parts of the city there still isn't power still has been restored i see what about the casualties were they mostly like along the coast in villages or i mean is there a specific hub of hmm. you know where where you had more deaths so i mean the casualties are uh, you know numbers will still come through but it's 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 approximately between the 80 90 100 mark right now the exact figure we'll have to look and this happened within like 48 hours like everything happened pretty much during the storm so actually one of the you know silver line, linings in a very dark time is that casualties numbers were actually quite low compared to the intensity of the storm you know so just a very basic thing that was being all and you know this little eastern part of orissa did is putting people into shelters and here shelters just means like your village school or whatever thana could be whatever any pakka house because the rest of the places in the village will probably be huts and those will just completely fly off right will be completely fly off exactly so basically the de- the deaths that happened happened due to what could be called accidents like for example in calcutta the most common mode of death is electrocution because once your thing gets flooded then very often things like metal gates and shutters become electrified and that happens in in rural bengal very often it it happens because a tree falls on you or you know in one case i met a a family whose somebody died while he was trying to secure a rope on top of his roof and a second gust of wind came and threw him off the roof so when he climbed on the roof it was quite normal but then suddenly some some eddy happened so these sort of things you know so it there wasn't there wasn't a mass thing during the cyclone because i mean this is i think now i think when the super cyclone hit orissa 20 years back there was this, that, that was the last time i think india had this thousands of death scenario but right now i think because of these basic precautions if you just put people inside a pakka house that really you know this very simple act saves lives and the, generally people now are more aware you know so earlier a cyclone would catch you unawares in the village many a times because there were no ways to come to know but right now everybody knows that acha kal cyclone aane wala hai yeah i think telephonic connectivity internet connectivity but tell me uh, i exactly. saw a report on scroll and mm-hmm. i recommend people read it it's about the sundarbans it says the sundarbans is finished super cyclone afan leaves a trail of misery in bengal now you've got some pictures here you got images of you know huts completely blown away people trying to retrieve whatever they can uh, mm. from something that used to be a hut now it's just basically danda standing how does the media report something like this i mean uh because you guys don't have bijli for the first you know 24 hours either you're saying there are parts of kolkata where there's still no bijli i'm sure it's worse in areas further down how is the local media getting around reporting transmitting or did that only happen like 3 4 days later and for the first 48 hours it was just that 
you know official sources were saying ki bhai this is the wind speed this is the death count and there was no real way for journalists to go out yeah i think more of the latter i think for the first i would say uh, one to two days because i think journalists themselves were coping with the storm uh, to some extent so you couldn't report uh, secondly a lot of the areas south of calcutta like when you actually enter the sundarban just got cut off so you couldn't uh, sort of focus on that so i think if you initially look at the coverage the first two days was mainly calcutta because i guess that's the easiest thing to do almost you know logistically because you're in calcutta but there has been a fair bit i think of so again you know when you say media i mean there's like a there, there, it works at many levels so in the bengali media there has been a fair bit of reporting as could be expected i think where the where there wasn't uh, a commensurate amount of reporting given the intensity of the calamity was in the national the hindi and the english media hmm. but i think the bangla media did report to some extent because the bengali i mean like i guess every state media so they had they probably have people in different villages so like yeah. it's like the kolkata bureau chief has to go to each of these places so because that yeah. bengali media probably already has people in further far flung areas right yeah i mean they'll have it in the district headquarters and all of that yeah i i saw uh, z bangla cover it i mean i yeah. couldn't really understand but i could see that reporters were on the yeah. you know the scene of action and even news 18's uh, bengali channel bengali channel so it's quite interesting i mean news 18 and z also have hindi news channels right so in a way they have a resource in bengal to do their prime time you know on the cyclone but but they didn't they didn't on the main two days they just didn't despite having this great resource mm. of reporters being on the ground for the bengali channel so yeah that's quite i mean it's more willful than i think lack of being able to get someone yeah and and, and especially for tv media like unlike print you there's a lot of interlanguage uh, interoperability you know like yeah, exactly. visuals and all you can say yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's not like somebody has written write a report yeah yeah exactly that's a good point nishay like this report of yours i remember i've been to the sundarbans back when i was shooting a travel show it it used to it took a long time to get there so when did you actually go here and you know report and come back and file like what did this process take you so i did i did it over the weekend okay so i mean you can i mean i guess the Sund- i mean sundarbans is a large area so i guess right. it depends on where you go and so on so i okay. guess you could have like like you could have gone a week into right you know to, for example right till the bangladesh border but this yeah, you had to get into that you had to get into a boat and then the boat to take yeah. another hour and a half and then at first getting to the boat uh, to the you know the jetty where the boat would go that took us like i think i don't know how many hours oh, yeah. so it, it was a it was a quite a journey i, I remember yeah. so i was wondering how long it took you to get all this i didn't go into the actual you could say the you know the the mangrove forests over there right i was more along the eastern edge which is just basically south of calcutta in a way calcutta is actually sort of in the sundarbans but we've cleared it off i guess uh, you know geographically it's not very far from the sundarbans so what i was saying is that here these are the eastern edges of the sundarbans so this is like this area where there is an increasing amount of farming going on but you know the sea is right there so these man you, you also have patches of forests and you also have patches of farmland so like you said uh, the sundarbans act as the shield for bengal against whatever happens in bay of bengal and mm. in the last few years there's been a lot of reporting about the ecological damage that's happened there and like you also said i mean the farm land has been reclaimed for farming and all that is that one of the reasons for the ferocity of this cyclone or this was just 
all natural there was no man made element to say i'm 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 sure it's a mixture so th- this was a very fierce cyclone but mm. maybe calcutta wouldn't have got as much of it is if the sundarbans had been you know at some pristine level you know the reconstruction or the package announcements or what the government is doing to make sure people can get back on their feet as your report suggests there's large areas of farmland which will be useless as far as farming is concerned because mm. the sea water has come and taken over yeah as the politics of that started playing up is the local media covering it in any way that is you know overly critical to the state government or the central government because i know at least for the first day when uh, mamta banerji asked the prime minister to make a trip he did make a trip and it had to seen at least as you know some putting aside differences and working together Hmm. is that continuing is there hope of that is that how it's been covered or is there a blame game happening or is the state government being blamed for not doing anything yeah so a couple of things firstly for example so there is a blame game happening over the center's compensation package so this is the, the modi after his tour announced a 1000 crore compensation package which the state i mean initial compensation package which the state government uh which mamata described as too little which it probably is a thousand crores is like just the scale of the damage is immense hmm. right now in calc when when it comes to the state government there has been some anger against the state government for not being quick enough to restore things like electricity and power you know right. so there has been a very interesting sort of there's been a very local blame game played within calcutta were under pressure from local uh, local demonstrations local outrage in fact you know there was even a demonstration in my neighborhood on the second day when there was no power right. uh, a lot of people from my neighborhood went to the mall and did some shouting so what has happened is people are you know doing these things like rasta rokos and so on to sort of vent their outrage which is unfortunately quite ineffective because there's no traffic so <laughs> a time tested sort of uh, mode of calcutta right? protest is not any but but so to to deflect from that momota is now blaming the calcutta electric supply corporation which is an incredibly old um, probably one of the oldest in asia as we say but it is now owned by sanjeev goenka of the rpg group right, right? Uh, so it's a very unusual arrangement where uh, a private a company has a monopoly is a monopoly supplier of power in in calcutta city right, right. a bit like i guess in bombay reliance has it in some areas reliance and tata right delhi it's there two people so yeah i think most cities there are either one player or two players and, two players yeah. but in delhi it's is it private or are they the that uh, rajdhani thing is it pu- public right no it's private it's private okay so that yes, is yes, so it's not that unusual then no so what momota has tried to do to deflect she sort of tried to blame the csc you know and said cpm sold the csc to a private player and now because of their incompetence uh, they are sort of messing up you know so i mean this i mean might be true the csc is maybe incompetent but it's not like for example everywhere else in the state where there is a public distributor power has come back also you know so right. uh, i mean both might be true but so this sort of blame game is going on right now you don't have a lot of anger against the state government or the center for that matter because i guess the storm was you know there's a uh, there's a sort of understanding the storm was immense right right but now because the recovery process will take months now we'll have to see whether there will be anger against momota which the bjp harvest or if momota can turn this anger as an anti center thing 
you know again it's an old bengali political trope you know for kendra banchana which means you know kendra ka banchana like neglect of the center uh, you know so whether she turns ha right. whether she turns it on its head and she benefits from this angle we'll have to see another question i had was you know um, because there was much criticism that english and hindi media didn't cover the storm or the cyclone that well uh, i know ndtv had prime time on it but other than that i think manisha there was the, the ram temple being discussed in one of the studios yeah, and I mean, there was something the when on the next day after landfall they were discussing uh, shivling being unearthed at the ram mandir time right. i think times now completely ignored it for a long time and then i think one fine day after five days they decided to launch a campaign in fact it's so funny because times now they had a reporter there again and i was just going through youtube you know that video stream just to see if they had anyone so the reporter is actually reporting but they've just put his report on the youtube channel so that means this guy poor guy who times now reporter who was actually on the beach in places he didn't find any space on the channel Wow. Except okay. uh, then, yeah, then Padmaja Joshi, I think she did a half an hour show when uh, then this guy went around interviewing people. And that show was more like Times Initiative, donate for the state and all that. So it was a bit of a, uh, in fact, they sent me a mail also saying, can you please carry it? It was a bit of a PR sort of a thing. Right. So one thing that, you know, even back when I used to work with um, a news organization, which was more legacy, whenever I went to the South or went to... I mean, Bombay. It was a normal thing. They said we don't call what you guys do in Delhi daily news. We call it daily news. That was an ongoing joke, especially in Bombay. अच्छा आप आज तक daily news करते नहीं आप daily news ही करते हैं आप daily news करते हैं. But the one place where I noticed that they didn't give a fuck was in Bengal, whether we covered Bengal or not. And at that time, India Today Group and NTV were the only two big ones. Is that still the case? So now do they care what what Hindi and English media is saying or? we are not being covered or we are not being given that kind of representation so this time actually there was quite a lot of anger uh, i i can't benchmark with what happened earlier but uh, actually i also did a short story on it uh, because uh, i mean i got internet back after two days and when i logged on to all my social media i only got anger saying that and it was very interesting it was anger against the media it, it there was some anger against modi you know like the center the political center because of that very small relief package but mostly i think when people in calcutta switched on their television said they you know they expected their physical uh, sort of experience and trauma to be reflected on the tv but on tv they saw you know koi bus ka fight ho raha tha so pranga uh, gandhi ke sath and all which which seemed a bit non immediate if you just <laughs> if you just watched from the cyclone yeah. hmm. so there was a lot of anger you know like very very uh, sort of uh, so shridit mukherjee you know who's one of at hollywood's like bengali film industry's biggest directors he 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 sort of he had a very sarcastic tweet he said that uh, you know he said uh, kalkata and bangal have roshogolded their way through 43 which was the famine and they do through so again meanwhile you can keep the anthem you know so i mean there was a lot of there was a sort of very sort of resentful anger that the national media had sort of blanketed out i mean and this is like a i mean what manisha bought up i guess was a great example that i mean this poor guy did all this hard work and they had the footage and they had the content but somehow they th- they didn't think i mean the editors on the desk did not think it would play well but right. why why is that shrey why do you think that is because there isn't any like overt political reason for that i mean you you're just showing the damage from the cyclone i mean it's not going to anger modi ji or whatever so what is the problem here i mean one problem could be kendriya <laughs> bonchana like i mean i guess you know there is uh, i guess 
it's 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 a bit on the margins right i mean while it's difficult to make the point that calcutta is on the margins considering there are so many other more marginal places but i think calcutta is on this sort of cusp where it is like you know bengal of bengal is it's sort of not not a margin but it sort of is also so it, it expects it expects attention like delhi or bombay which it does not get so there's this mismatch between its own self image almost and what it's seeing on the screen so i guess it's a bit like that so you know we have um, shoeb for a few more minutes i just have this quick email i want to read and just want to get a few comments from uh, shoeb and the panel uh, this is from sahil uh, he says dear hafta panel i was summarily disappointed at your devotion to amphan cyclone stories in hafta 277 having presumably recorded your show on the previous friday there is no excuse of a dearth of information if for ground reports when it comes to the biggest news story of the past few weeks even after mentioning how some foreign media have devoted 5 to 7 minutes such as bbc what could possibly be the reason for aftar not take the time to not to give the story the time it deserves uh, and you know the devastation is caused not to the millions of indians and our neighbors too at this point i wonder if there is a tendency of news laundry to not commit to a story unless there is a political capital to be earned it would certainly explain your insistence on not covering events of natural disaster and the effects of climate change affecting the most vulnerable populations who incidentally stand to lose the most while having contributed the least to climate change in fact i'm not the first subscriber to mention this if i could be even more skeptical there could be an argument to be made that as long as annual subscribers stay unlikely to be affected by events of global scale there is all the incentive for you guys to keep publishing rants that enti- entertain only armchair political experts myself included maybe this is where the idea of a subscriber driven model breaks down this might be worth discussing can a subscriber driven media platform meaningful meaningfully disseminate dialogue that the subscribers have no interest in or even feel icky talking about awesome of manisha to give a shout out to contrapoints i've been a subscriber and fan for a couple of years in fact around the same time i started news laundry cautiously looking forward to continuing to be a subscriber sahil so sahil i'll uh, you know let the panel speak uh, like i said why we couldn't discuss it on hafta was because when we recorded the hafta that was just the morning of the night when the cyclone hit so we really had nobody to get and we had decided we'll get someone from bengal for this hafta we didn't record on friday yeah we recorded thursday morning so i mean by friday it was quite apparent what had happened but when we recorded it wasn't and in fact even as we recording this we record on thursday we've been recording haftas on thursday since uh, lockdown daily dose did have you know decent updates on what the cyclone yeah, yeah we have a daily podcast or daily dose that in fact did give you immediate but we don't have any reporter on the ground and as far as your point of not committing resources to a report that doesn't have a political capital to be earned or any political angle no that's not true and i'll give you a few examples you know we put out nlc in our projects and thank you you know subscribers i mean this is the record time that we've topped up like three nlc in our projects one after the other you know from one of them was you know over a lakh and a half one was just about a lakh so you guys have contributed and you know made those happen like pratik's traveling with the migrants from maharashtra towards madhya pradesh didn't really have a political angle if you read the report it's a fantastic report it's um, and i'll let uh, uh, mehraj you know tell you more about this since he heads desk i know i do believe we have something coming from bengal but we don't have anything on the ground and i think unless we can give you a first hand report on the ground just a general write up on that doesn't add any more than what you've already got you know unless it's an opinion piece and i don't think an opinion piece on something like this is very valuable like some some of you have been tagging me saying why is news lord not covering or giving us the facts about the china standoff you know cuz uh, who's uh, he used to be in ndtv the former foji Ajay Shukla has a take on that that you know how Indian media is underplaying it. They said we trust news laundry to do that. You know we don't really have any reporter who can 
get to the bottom of that, which means going there or getting some access to who has set up camps where pakka camp set up kiya hai ki nahi. So actually, I mean, if my word is worth anything, it's not because there's no political capital being earned. But uh, Mehraj, you want to come in on uh, any pieces that may be coming from uh, Bengal? Because I don't know much about this. Yeah, because I know Raman sir has already commissioned uh, a report, ground report from there about this, that like as soon as it happened, why didn't we put it up? Because that's not what we do. Whatever the like the issue, whatever the problem, whatever the tragedy, unless we have a proper ground report or a proper reported piece, we don't do it because others have already done done that. So it adds no value for us to do it. And given our resources and our manpower. So we only do it if there's a good report to be done and we are doing that. And uh, about the Ladakh thing, I mean, it's very obvious, it's very difficult to do that from the ground. So the next best thing is we have uh, David Devdas writing for us. He is a veteran journalist who has covered defense and strategic affairs for years and years and years. And he has just sent us a, his latest column and it's about this thing only. And you will get, I mean, I have read the read coverage of this whole uh, issue for the last couple of weeks. I've been reading about it. But this has a lot more insight than I have read so far. And I'm sure you people will also find a lot more in this than what you have read about so far about. We're also getting an explainer over the weekend to explain to you exactly what, because there's a lot of conflicting narrative on whether the, there was an intrusion or not, or whether this is aggression or whether this is usual patrolling or not. So we're getting a piece in, in the weekend to sort of give you an explainer and understand the media narrative around it on this Ladakh thing. But yeah, I mean, like Mehrad said that uh, we can't obviously give you, you know, we don't have any ground reporters there, but I think for regular news, you guys should tune into Daily Dose because two podcast, two episodes of Daily Dose focused on Amphan, which would have given you, which would have given you all the information that's out there, well packaged and aggregated. So that is something we can do to make up for the lack of people on ground. Yeah, it's a daily podcast, and 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 we may not be the fastest, but you will get something. But to this criticism, show uh, is there a tendency you think of subscription driven news platforms because now scroll is also uh, you know uh, has has gone down the subscription way to only is there a tendency of for us to cover things that have a political angle so that those who agree with the political ideology will consume it more or i don't know what is your take on this so i think what i also also personally struggle with sometimes with my journalism is since we write in english our readers are a certain class and you know background so very often large events might happen which would not affect our readers but they're still large events. So, for example, if just to do a thought experiment, if, say, Ampan had not hit Calcutta, then I think even the outrage that we saw would not have happened, right? right. Then not only Delhi, even the Calcutta media would maybe not have covered it with uh, such a lot of intensity. It's only because, for example, you know, like in a way that, I guess there'll, there'll be a lot of overlap between news laundry and my readership and scrolls readership. So if our readership, for example, is affected, there is a pressure on us to do it, which is really not there in many other cases. So this is a bit of a, this is an unusual issue with that we in India face because, you know, I guess. Our society is also not that homogeneous. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. very segmented and it's, it's bracket along class yeah. lines, caste, linguistic lines. Yeah, you're but right. Great journalism, for example, India's, I think English is where our great journalism happens, but it's also a language which 90% of the people can't access. So, you know, there's a bit of this, so if you right. do great journalism in, say, Germany, in the German language, anyone, if they want to read it, can read it. But it's, mm. you know, like, I mean, I might do some, like, anybody might do, say, great reporting on Ampon. 
but you know for example most of the people we report on it we they will not actually ever interact with me as a reader mm. you know so that's a bit of a you know it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dichotomy for which i have no answer but this is the problem that i have also sometimes faced right anyway thanks shoaib uh, I, i guess you got to run uh, thanks for making the time uh, take care uh, be safe and uh, keep bringing us amazing reports guys do check up Shoaib, uh, check out shoaib's reports on scroll especially the one on the sundarbans thank you so much for having me guys bye bye thanks man bye, bye. so uh, what shoaib was saying about the this being like i also have pointed to this in one of the haftas that english media by definition only reaches a certain section of the population but as one of my former editors used to say the saving grace is because the ruling class is also mostly either english speaking or aspiring to be english speaking so they get to read this and hopefully uh, you always hope that it has some impact on policy making so when they are yes. making policies when you bring out these stories they sort of take this in in their calculations right okay now um, while kolkata and bengal deal with the disaster there there are other mini disasters happening in our you know northern part of india where trains that started from metros to take migrants back to up or bihar are landing up in orissa how does a train get lost mehraj can you give us some gyan cuz i you know i've seen all these burning train and all these films that they are tracking this train is going there this train is going there how can it go so way off it takes 9 days to get to a place where it should have taken 24 hours i i am just at a loss i mean even incompetence alone doesn't explain this this is at a time when they are running even a fraction of the usual number of trains that run on indian uh, railway lines right and right. these are the people they are running these uh, trains especially for migrants and it's not just these that these trains are getting lost they are also not providing food and even water and north india right now for those of you who might not know is under a severe heat wave i mean there's an advisory that you can't go out between 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock during the day such so such intense heat imagine you are in a train without air conditioning you don't have food you don't have water as a result at least uh, as we speak at least nine people have uh, died on those trains there were these disturbing very disturbing very heartbreaking visuals of this one little kid who was trying to wake up a wake up his mother who had died on the train and she had been left on the platform there was this another person who lost his 4 year old child and he was running around when he got to the platform he was running around looking for milk because he thought that would save his kid there was nothing there there's this other visuals of a train stopping at a station and uh, there's water bottles there and they're just going and there are visuals of people fighting over food yeah. this is such a desperate situation and i i don't think incompetence alone explains this this is pure malice i'm sorry to say this but i i don't explain i can't explain this otherwise what do you think manisha because it i mean i have a take on it but why do you think this level of incompetence can play up that you actually run trains and you don't even think that you have to load it with stuff because people are be fed and pius goel i mean look there's also one thing is this has happened and then there's a bit of shame in you to sort of you know at least be somber about the fact that people are dying in the country you pius goel like tweeting some beautiful pictures and paintings and just brazening out or other you know ministers not even saying anything and i think the government today they just said that oh these are extraordinary times so you know they they just blame the time on the the fact that it's very unfortunate but these are also extraordinary times which is fine i get it but it's really simple right and this is something anyone in india would know because 
you know you just know that okay when there's something like this you can just buy a bunch of pale biscuits pale ji biscuits keep it in the train just keep biscuits you know glucose biscuits and water you don't even need to prepare for meals you know fine you can't give child hours whatever but you can just keep keep basic glucose biscuits and water for for people to just eat through the journey and it's not expensive and i'm sure if there's some coordination with even like companies like a pale ji like maybe they could get them on board and say that okay we just need you guys to come and just you know load these help us with supply i mean things could be thought of actually i think, I think what explains is that actually these it's actually latians delhi phenomena you know like these guys came to power trashing congress and saying that oh you're latians you don't know you're not in touch but these guys are supremely out of touch i don't think they know so um, if you read the report today on what happened in the supreme court where the supreme court is basically questioning the center on what they're doing for migrants the centers uh, has just it's shocking the sort of things that the solicitor general said on behalf of the center that you know he's he's blamed journalists he's called us vultures he said that these guys are spreading negativity their profits of doom and that you're not showing what the, the good stuff that we're doing so it's complete denial arrogance and really latians like the worst of latians delhi behavior back in march i think he told the supreme court that there was not a single migrant on the roads yeah and the supreme yeah. court judges they just accepted it i mean all they had to do was just look out their balcony or their gated houses or wherever and they could have seen it they just accepted it and two months later they're waking up to it now it's sad that the supreme court has reduced itself to a joke and at least among legal circles and friends of mine who are in the profession they're like the delhi high court has more credibility than the supreme court right now uh, but you know the i think the the shocking level of incompetence of of mismanagement is a combination of two things and i don't even think it's malice you know it's basically one is a lack of experience which is of course not much better that you've made such idiots ministers who really have zero experience of planning or administering and the second is arrogance that we won't talk to anyone you know the thing is that if you have a large team and i'll give you a small example from my experiences of production many times we'd go to shoot at a place where i you know because i had done a lot of shooting i knew if you're going to be let's say driving from revart you know through the madhya pradesh heat to xyz place i know there's nothing there we should carry everything we should carry water we should carry this we'll get nothing there but if a new production person would come i've been to many shoots where the guy had not even thought because that production kid had only been from let's say delhi to dehradun so he knew that there's full of dhabas on the way there are lots of restaurants we can stop anywhere and get whatever we want so he would load nothing in the car then suddenly i would go on a shoot with him to let's say kutch and kutch we are driving along a way into the run where there's nothing there's no shop and i say is there anything in the car he says no nothing i thought there'd be something here i'm like dude why would there be something here but the thing is that that explains that you have zero experience the second part is what you can make up for lack of experience is just getting people you know manisha what you were saying type with pale ji there are so many organizations i know who have collected money including one that i am working with and now there are not so many migrants to feed and they say okay who can we help where can we take this money who can we give this to all the government has to do is guys whoever in whatever cities the train is going from here to here local organizations yaar get gurdwaras they'll stand there and distribute sharbat and and kada prasad yaar the fact is this government doesn't want to talk to anyone because they think of everybody as an enemy and when you are such a hostile and venom filled entity you will not reach out to anyone to collaborate you'll say sab hum khud hi karenge aur hum kisi se baat nahi karenge haath badha lo yaar baat kar lo kisi se say okay yaar who wants to come after abusing ngos all their lives other than the first speech that a pradhan sevak gave that please ngos should step up 
say that these are the stations that these trains are going to go through. It is not very difficult to reach out to the local administration there and say, get your people. And the second on the aircrafts, Mr. Hardipuri said, Kal subha se aircrafts will start flying. Rathko Maharashtra bolta hai, yaar, hum to land nahi karne denge. Bloody hell, yaar. You've just announced bookings and the state is saying, hello, you didn't ask us. We are not letting anyone land here. So you get the level of not talking to people. Like, why should we even talk to Uddhav Thakare? So I think that's it. I don't know. My rant is over. No, also, also, I think, I mean, because they aren't doing this, they aren't talking to people, they aren't bringing in NGOs, other people is because they don't care. I mean, malice may be too harsh a word, but definitely indifferent. They really don't care. I mean, you can imagine, say, they started the trains on the first day and something went wrong, second day, third day, fourth day. This has been happening for weeks now. And everybody knows what's happening. And everybody knows the solutions are also there. And they're easy solutions. But they're not doing anything. Right. There's no desire to get... At a certain point, I do get India as a huge country. And I do get that there's bound to be some sort of, you know, things going wrong. And there's bound to be suffering. I mean, it is a huge country. and It is a huge task and all that. But when it's being pointed out to you, I don't understand the defensiveness. This, you know, you are a prophet of doom and how dare you. And I don't understand this insistence on going on trying to... I mean, it seems like the one thing they're most bothered about is management of media. After having managed most of media. So, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they want out of the media. I mean, timidly everyone's reporting. No one's even like going out all out. And, and this is a good time to remind our listeners, many of you who may be new and would not remember. This is why media plays such an important role. Any government does act under media pressure, which is why it's important to have a media that questions the government. If you think Mr. Kapil Sibbal or Mr. Chidambaram or Pranam Mukherjee in 2012 thought that, oh, let me talk to team Anna because they'll have some good ideas. No, that's not why they spoke to them. They still thought those guys were idiots. They spoke to them because all the channels and all the media were saying, my God, look at this, look at this. He would die. There was this pressure building up. So media pressure worked. That is why they came there and say, okay, let's have a dialogue. Whether dialogue led to or not is a different matter. It matters. And that is why in an age where the media is completely, okay, maybe not completely, but by and large, just become the spokesperson of the uh, government in power, it is even more important for you to chip into independent media. Otherwise, don't be surprised tomorrow when they're coming and taking over your homes. You say, yeah, media is not going to so this is a good time to remind those of you who are listening to this for free. Unless you pay for the media, the media is not going to serve you. When the advertiser pays, the advertiser served. When the public pays, the public is served. And right now, the dominant advertiser for the media is the government of India or state governments. So forget them serving you. So it's up to you which way the media narrative goes and which way governance goes in our country. So with that plug, I would just like to quickly tell you this story when I was watching Hardeep Puri's, you know, press conference that airports will function and aircraft will start. And then I went and I had some chai coffee PK. I put on the TV again and suddenly I saw a ticker saying, Uddhav Thakre says, planes won't land. I actually started laughing. I was like, tomorrow morning they're taking off. Isn't it bizarre? <laughs> this is apparently the same thing they did with the trains. I mean, the finance minister of Kerala, he said they didn't inform us that the trains are coming and how they are coming. They're not following protocol with that also. Yeah, man. It's, it's a and Because they need to like keep track of these people and quarantine them, people who are coming from outside. So they're not even doing that. And this is one important point that Manisha pointed out, this timidity. And this one, even the people, like 
they they must be appreciated people who are covering the migrant crisis who are going on the ground and doing all this there's one critical aspect missing from this reportage it's like everybody is reporting it in a manner like it's just a, this national disaster this that's happening on its own like this cyclone and there's no reason for it there's no man made reason for it nobody is actually saying okay this is happening because the government is doing this but they are not doing this so there's no questioning as such it's just that okay this is unfolding here the migrants are suffering this is suffering this is suffering nobody is talking about the cause that i think is what i found really missing from the coverage irrespective of what you you've been unable to do as a government whatever your failures it's it's just really distastefully arrogant to see them that after you i mean there's a four month old baby that's also died of hunger these are real stories that have come out to then attack the press and say your prophet of dooms it's you're really you know you're laughing at people's miseries also it's it's these deaths are real they have happened you can't just negate yeah. it like a prophet of doom hai ye hai ya wo so now a couple of emails this one is from sudarshana hi team nl in these trying times i hope you're not compromising your health while doing the excellent work you're doing i'm a post doc at cornell working on climate change and its impact on water resources for improving resilience and adaptability i'm also a long time subscriber with my nagging requests to you to cover more environment related news in india especially during this pandemic as several regulations are being constantly curbed around the globe a couple of things i want you to discuss in detail countries in south america are facing a covid-19 mismanagement induced economic meltdown quite similar to india but there people are protesting despite the sim- systematic oppression of the state machinery why are we not seeing anything like this in india two another aspect of this ongoing pandemic is data suppression several reports have come out showing how covid-19 case data have been engineered to fit the narrative of reopening the usa in india we hardly heard of doctors or scientists speak about the shifting goalposts of the official covid-19 cases at the beginning of each lockdown please follow up on the report by reporters collective on this data goof up in the country stay safe west sudarshana thanks so much sudarshana appreciate this you you're so right about basically figuring out the reason to open because you have to justify it and in fact this is something the swedish doctor had said in his discussion i think it was on bbc he says now that you've done the lockdown the deaths are not going to go down you've painted yourself into a corner how will you justify lifting the lockdown and recently in the last two days even norway has come up with a report saying that uh, they made a mistake of doing a complete lockdown i still don't quite agree with that but uh, i think you have a very valid point but why you think like south america is seeing protests why india is not seeing protests i think it is at one level um, this government has been able to break the spirit of people by completely taking over media i think media has a lot to do with the reason why we don't see the kind of protests you're seeing in south america do you guys have a view on why we're not seeing that here i think the people who sh- who have a reason to protest right now is the like the poor and the marginalized the migrants other people the upper section of the society they are safe in their homes so they don't protest if they protest they have something to lose why this section the vast majority of the people who are not protesting right now is huge historical cultural reasons if you really think about it india has never had a revolution in that sense of the subaltern right even the independence struggle was mostly led by the upper caste upper class people right even the the movements of say uh, periyar or the uh, savitri and jyotiba phule even ambedkar they were movements in that sense they weren't revolutions in the sense like you have had in say south america for example right where you replace an entire structure of power and give uh, power to the subaltern people what happened to that later is a different different uh, problem 
I think one of the main reasons for that is because that conception of justice and equality is somehow like missing from the from the from the discourse, especially the discourse. I mean, even if you have to have a revolution, if you have to have a successful movement, it doesn't happen unless a critical mass of people from those who have power support your cause. Every revolution you anywhere in the world that has been an essential ingredient for it. Those people have to support it. In India, there has never been a reason because that upper class, upper caste section of the society are fine with their privileges, with their with their part. There has been, I mean, of course, there are like people from there who support the other causes, but there has not been that critical mass that will kind of yeah, but I think turn the whole thing. What you're saying is true in the macro sense, in the like India's existential problem sense, but specifically to why, like she said that, the mismanagement led, you know, crisis. One is of course COVID, but the mismanagement crisis hasn't led to an immediate pushback. Uh, I think it's because any kind of such a, a revolt or some sort of a protest require political capital being put behind it by some political leaders. Yes, exactly. You know, right now the politics of this country has been so completely taken over by the sheer might of Modi and Shah that the people like you know what Lalu did of you know post Lohia movement or you know what Lohia did and give rise to all these others. What Lalu, I mean, good, bad, ugly, but when he came and he completely said, now the Yadas will take over and all you Brahmins can go to hell. It was a political movement that led to the, those kind of protests. You know, Mayavati and Kashiram did engineer, in a sense, a mass movement, but it was headed by someone. Someone had to organize it. Even the more recent Jan Lokpal movement, it was not as spontaneous as many of you believe. There was a core team that thought and said that this is now what needs to be done. Right now, there is no political might or political relevance or anyone with political relevance who are willing to do this. Mayavati is busy now. She's thinking of her retirement plan. He let me not take too many pangas. Let me retire. Lalu's in jail. Arvind Kejriwal has said, I am no longer a fighter. Let me just figure out and see how life as a status quo is. So who's going to do it? Protests, I mean, the concept of spontaneous protests is not quite as spontaneous as you might think. Even that amazing march of the farmers, remember in, in silence as they marched through Maharashtra to Bombay? Yeah, yeah. It was not spontaneous. I mean, a political party yeah. put its organizational might behind it. So there is no one who's interested in doing it right now. And that is a pity. Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, people haven't tried to protest. Like there were protests in Surat. There were uh, people came out in uh, Bombay also. But mm. they were just, the police came and just brutalized them, right? Migrants have been, there have been hundreds of videos of people coming and uh, throwing away the vegetable carts of vegetable right. vendors, right. going into homes, beating up people. Why are they doing that? this? Because they have impunity. Because the Consequent, section that has yeah. the power to talk about this, to hold them accountable, aren't either don't have the power or, or not interested in doing that. I mean, the, a politician, a prime minister, a home minister will obviously... He has no problem with the police behaving this way because it's works for him. That's but his that gang. Huh? They so can do the same for him. Yeah, yes. The so-called civil society, that segment of population which has the power, which has the voice, if they aren't bothered about it, I mean, if it's only uh, their outrage is limited to only social media, then it's not going to make much of a difference, right? Okay, so then I just want to move on to this next. I'll just lay the context. Uh, now, apparently China has crossed the line of control in Ladakh. And uh, you can read Ajay Shukla's blogs on this. 
he says that they are actually uh, i don't know maybe i'm confusing his piece with the indian express piece that i read but there are reports that they are building not these tent type chabutras for the soldiers said they built like hard pakka buildings for them to sit to stay or barracks or whatever they called and uh, they are refusing to go back into their territory according to some commentators and in the social media the national media or any english or hindi channels are not talking about this at all whereas it is one of the worst incursions into our territory by china in the longest time we got some people saying that why don't you guys sort out the wheat from the chaff what is true what is not uh, so i let the two editors tell us how does one actually get a story like this how do you get what is true what is not true either you have to have sources within the army to get the satellite images or you have to have access to satellite images and be friends with i don't know elon musk or whoever how do you get a story like this and can we get one because a lot of people are asking for it no i mean such a i mean report of course even the reports that you're going to see in the media are going to be mha sources itpp sources army sources you know no no one can really go to the line of control and really see what's happening there so it's really all dependent on what sources you get and these sort of reports are usually going to go to reporters who've been covering this beats for years you know no i can't just call up the spokesperson of ministry of defense and expect him to tell me it's i mean it means a lot of rapo building and really following a beat for a long time so hardcore report is tough but we are definitely going to have a nice explainer over the weekend by this guy who you know amir shah his name is and he earlier written a nice explainer for us and rafael also he's a defense analyst of sorts so that should help and in fact as um, as much as what i have understood from reading everything there is so the line of actual control that passes through pengongso lake is a perception india perceives it to be at a certain point and china perceives it to be at a certain point and both perceptions don't match so there's no real agreed upon line of actual control but the incident is not limited to pangongso right it was a similar no, incident no, not six no, as no. Well. so there's Peng- yeah there is but I'm, the pangongso one is one that you know there was the mukamukha happening there and all that so in this case what has happened is that there's a patch between the perceptions of a line of control which is like a gray area where both india and china have been patrolling for the longest time to sort of maintain dominance and sort of you know keep like not give up that space basically and keep having claims and both sides have entered that territory now what has happened this time is that china has stopped us from entering that gray area and said you go back to what we think is the perception of line of control and they've aggressively tried to like keep india out of there and they've deployed more people there and deployed more boats that's different because that means that they're trying to change status quo and and it's an aggressive act and apparently i mean i think early may around 6 there was some you know light physical altercation between the soldiers and then the two uh, you know area commanders met usually what happens is that the chinese and the indian area commander would meet and try and solve issues and you know like sort of but those talks have not worked but the indian the india today's report says that 150 indian and chinese military personnel were engaged in a face off near nakula pass in sikkim yeah yeah, and yeah ten, that's sikkim yeah then sustained injuries so i guess they were punching each other yeah <laughs> and and we are both nuclear. there have also been reports of stone pelting between the two that was earlier stone uh, pelting so i'm no i'm saying that that's very ironical because usually it's i mean not the military that's engaging in stone yeah, pelting it's, it's, <laughs> it's people throwing stones it's the youth of your home state who have been labeled stone pelters <laughs> near the yeah. pingongso lake there's a there's there's a region where india is trying to build a road in our territory and china has a problem with that so that's also like a active aggression because there there is no dispute on that 
इंग्लिश में जो डिबेट करिए उसमें वो नेपाल पे भड़क रहे बैक ऑफ नेपाल यू नो डोंपिकल बुली यू कैन ओनली पंच डाउन यू कैन पंच पाकिस्तान So first step is they move the tanks to the border, and the next step is they'll go to Lahore and this and that. It was fantastically done, and the graphics are like amazing. But they missed one thing. It was like there was nobody in Pakistan. They just sort of walk in. They didn't have an army. They didn't have people. They didn't have guns. They didn't have military. So they were just walking. And I, I, I hope it's not the same thing with this. It, this could have been the India Day Regiment led by General Gaurav Sawant <laughs> and and the Z Regiment. Led by Sadiq. No, this Shabdi. was in Hindi. Hindi, I think it was uh, your whatever. Yeah. No, but coming to the story, what is you know you you're an old hand at the desk and have much experience. What is a good way of getting a report on this man? I mean, how does one report on something like this? Like Manisha said, I mean, this is not just any like border. Say if there's a problem with the Nepal Bihar border, it's accessible. You can send people there. This part of the world is very remote. It's even remote for the military to reach, right? so there is no local sources you can send there because it's mostly uninhabited places so the only uh, option is you send a person from say delhi or srinagar or leh there but when the tensions are high they won't let you go right so mm. that that's another problem so the only problem is you get a very decent experienced defense or strategic affairs correspondent who has watched these things for a long time who has sources in the military in other places just talk to them and through them get a picture of what's happening so any report on this issue will have a slight bit of conjecture basically you can't you can't stop that right yes even the even the i mean the so far the best reports which i have read so far is one is by ajay shukla and one is by sushant sen in express and it's not a coincidence that both of them are former military people right right they served in the military for sources, a long time right. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, they have a lot of sources who will open up to them in a yeah, way exactly and so there's one thing i mean um, that i found very odd about this whole thing that this is not an incursion and everything this there's one aspect which i think david uh, david has also written in his uh, piece so india was building a road there right up to uh, dolatbeg oldi which is near the sachin glacier and from that main road they were trying to build these arterial roads to access the eastern part of ladakh what has happened is the chinese that have come in they have brought earth movers and they are undoing the construction on those roads so this isn't really a perception thing if india was building their roads there that means it's like india considers it its yeah. territory right so if they have taken that over it's very bizarre for like the indian authorities to say this is just perception they're just like whatever no, no, perception is at the pengongso lake this Road area is, I think, about two hundred kilometers away from. No, but apparently, so there they have even yeah, come west no, of the Chinese line. So what the China claims to be the actual line of control, they have come west of even that. 
that's what that's true so that's I, yeah, so there is so no that, doubt in the fact that they are being aggressive with something that is very clear like there is no confusion there on what is indian territory what is chinese territory there is a perception battle in the pengongso lake area but that's been mm-hmm. old and that's you know it's kind of par for the course for both parties to venture into each other's gray areas and patrol so chinese uh, for the longest time uh, i mean the since the 1962 uh, war and from before also so the china's aim apparently has been from what i have read is to at least either push india west of the indus river or at the very least uh, west of the shallok river so that is i mean still a long way several hundred kilometers from where they are now so if that is their actual design so i mean the tensions are only going to ramp up it's not going to go down in tension pandemic ka fayda utha rahe hain ki sab hum log corona mein busy hain so they can just go around screwing around also, i think the strategic and economic and that that gap is really huge now between india and china yeah, so yeah. they think they can do this yeah 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 that is definitely and been hilarious how the indian media has reacted i mean if it was pakistan they would have been in a war room by now and long yeah there would be plastic ak47s in the background no map no missiles being sent to china and this is like legitimately they could have abused communists for the first time you know like this was their chance to the communists in the real sense is they just missed it the communist party so <laughs> i have a couple of emails that i want to read sai i have your mail you've said that i probably won't read it because your subscription is no longer active though you've been a past subscriber so i won't read your email but uh, i mean i won't read it out but i have read it and uh, well um, i'll respond to you yeah uh, i hope you're well and safe and i hope uh, you know all the indians trapped wherever they are get back soon then this mail is from ashok hi i'm a subscriber for the past one year your team is doing a great job in nl hafta 277 i'd like to add that people in power abuse it no matter which caste they belong to until people accept power with humility it's difficult to change as per today's numbers the mortality rate in tamil nadu is 0.7 compared to 0.55 in kerala tamil nadu is doing big labor importing state yet the mortality rate is very less national media is not paying enough attention everyone talks about kerala but tamil nadu is getting neglected i hope you guys try to find out the reason okay um i know tamil nadu had a surge in cases but the mortality rate um, you know actually the mortality rate is evolving yeah. like every day when i see the recovery rate is higher it used to be in the 20s now it's over 40% and that's not true for india that's true for most of the world so i think as people are recovering one is realizing the recovery rate of covid is very high so the actual mortality rate maybe we should do a data crunching on this also all these numbers are like dependent on a lot of things i mean if you do more tests you do less tests how many people exactly. you admit how many people you count as covid when they have comorbidities so these are like very huge numbers and and also i i do believe like when they did in spain and in new york if you just start testing people at random i'm sure the numbers of covid positive would go through the roof so which means mortality would go down so yeah uh, this mail is from pratyay pratyay says from getting a one month subscription i just to binge watch all the haftas to getting myself a one year subscription i have come a long way since i got a job in january oh pratyay i'm glad you got a job i'm glad you use your money well and subscribe for a year in the process i have also convinced at least i have also convinced many friends to subscribe to nl thank you again pratyay as long as we have ambassadors like you we don't want people saying aiye kuch din to guzare gujarat mein we don't need amitabh bachchan we got pratyay guys i'm 24 year old mechanical engineer post graduate got a job a few months back 3 months in the lockdown my employers forced me to take a salary cut 
This is happening across all sectors. Many young people across gender caste losing jobs, forced to take pay cuts. I consider myself lucky that I got a job in the first place. It baffles me how successive Indian governments mushroomed engineering college across the country just to produce engineering graduates without imparting necessary skills that are expected out of an engineer. I think someday NL should do a piece on the pathetic condition of engineering education in this country. Coming back to Hafta Meheraji's innate ability to cite references to caste system for every other malice is very commendable. It clearly shows that perhaps he needs to read some classics on Indian history and how caste system evolved to its present day form. I recommend him to read Ramdhari Singh Dinkar Sanskrit Ke Char Adhyay in the hope that Maharajji reads it and finds it fruitful. I do have to add that Maharajji is truly a wonderful addition to Hafta, even though I don't agree to many of his views. Thank you, Pratyas. Thank you so much. I'll uh, definitely try to look out for this book, but uh, I hope I'll get it in English because I can't read Hindi. So. Well, uh, I'll, I would have said I'll translate it for you because I studied Sanskrit in school, but I don't remember Jack. <laughs> oh, it's only called Sanskrit. It's not actually in Sanskrit. Oh, I remember Ram, Ramay, Ramastu, Ram, 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 I just, anyway. I urge Team NL to consider Jay Sai Deepak to be invited to some Hafta discussion depending on the issue to be discussed. Okay. He's a Supreme Court advocate and has taken part in many public talks. His views on many contemporary issues are well circulated in YouTube. This is to prevent NL from becoming an echo chamber. Keep up the good work, Pratyay. Thank you, Pratyay. Appreciate your support. Thank you again for subscribing to us as soon as you got a job. I hope you become more and more successful and convince more and more people to become subscribers of News Laundry. Now, uh, Manisha, if you could just tell me about that bite of Rahul Gandhi. Rahul Gandhi said something along the lines that, Dekhiye, jo hum support de rahe hain, sarkar ko dekhiye, or whatever he said. Basically, what saying was Uddhav takes a decision, not him. And it is quite an innocuous statement. But Manisha, it's a really dumb statement because what you're trying to do is that, dude, I'm not, it's like basically, you know, that economist or that who just plagiarized an article on Indian Express and they withdrew it. You know, what was the what was the funny thing about that? Sorry. So a few days ago, there was this letter these intellectuals economists and everybody had written to the government giving them suggestions how to tackle covid right so and there was this one uh, suggestion which said you take over all the money and resources use whatever you need <laughs> and whatever the merit and demerit of that argument so there was this whole bunch of i mean uh, what you what you would describe as neoliberal economists right-wing economists who went Berserk saying this is an assault on private property. How can you say this and all that? Yeah, I and saw so that. Much pressure. And yeah, and so Shamika Ravi was one of the leading like people in that sort of movement, right? And then here, next day, there's this article which is plagiarized in academia that is as worse an assault on private property as it can get. <laughs> right. Plagiarism is the greatest crime in academia. I was wondering how will Mehraj connect this to plagiarism? Very well done. Very well done. (laughs) Well played. No, but what I'll say is that, you know, the point I was coming to was that what Rahul did is what she did. What she said was factually accurate. She went through uh, three phases of apology. (laughs) Denial. (laughs) First denial, then acceptance. So first she said that lives are at stake and we need to... We need credible solutions. Calibrated attacks against me cannot be anti-COVID strategy for Maharashtra or any other state. So denial, that my integrity is attacked by Western interest. Then second was mild acceptance, grudging acceptance, where she said regarding the IE article, 
there was genuine oversight have spoken to both paul romer and karthik econ uh, this is their twitter handles there are perils to working in teams but the buck stops with me i should have done better and will strive to do so in future so basically what rahul did was a version of this that you know what she is saying is true that there are perils working in teams yes we all know that we've all worked in teams but putting it in the context of this she is saying ki boss meri galti nahi hai unki galti hai ah silly so similarly rahul was asked about the fuck ups in maharashtra he says boss we are not leading they are leading so what he did a ravi basically it was rahul ravi no and also i think with rahul gandhi the problem is just that whatever he says is his delivery is really terrible you know he just doesn't know how to talk he looks confused he just you know he's all, he's always mumbling he doesn't know exactly there's no clarity of message he could have said that you know uh, we are happy to be supporters and shivsena is you know we we vested confidence in them and shivsena is going to be leading the government and we give them all the support that we want and he could have said that this question can be given to him because he'll have the information to answer your question yeah. i don't have the information to answer your question but the way he framed it was ki acha fuck up hua hai usse poocho mujhse mat poocho i mean it's just a dumb thing to say because you're right the first time i heard it i was like okay so what's wrong with what he's saying but when when i got the context of when he said that i was like that's a... so when i read the lines i thought okay yeah not i mean yeah maybe times now going deserve for no reason but then when i watched him i was like dude what is he doing like why does he talk like this there's no clarity of message you know and what he's trying to say and i mean come on for congress it's in par nowhere so it wouldn't hurt to be a little more involved with the governments wherever you have whatever little power you know so in maharashtra even if you're if even if sena and ncp are leading it's one of the few states that you you're still relevant in so may as well be informed and play an important role yeah or at least have show you know create that perception so now i want to talk to the panel about opening places of worship but before i do that we had a lot of emails come in this time so so farooq shubham this is he wants us to call him g he or she mr or miss g and dhiraj and indrpreet and setju veluru and nijwum i i've seen all your mails we will read them next time when we are in office and doing the podcast out of office when all of us are together because it becomes you know there's too much over- overlap when i'm reading these mails and others are talking it's just inefficient so we've got your mails we'll only discuss inders mail a little bit to get you know the views of of the panel here and then i'd just like to talk about places of worship and then we'll wind up Inder says, "Dear team, it was very disconcerting for me to see NL team fighting and debating on Twitter with Swaraj this week. We are all human. Let's try to create a good dialogue instead of getting the whole discussion down to Twitter battles, which ends nowhere. An email exchange would have worked, or better, invite one of the reporters on record for a word, maybe on Hafta. Unless you all don't have, behave nicely, no one will be ready to sit at a table. Even media houses make mistakes. NL also does that. Admitting it is not wrong, but Twitter battles make admitting it very difficult." with nl versus nl out i hope nl versus others is also done in a manner where one can disagree and still remain calm and cordial no more twitter battles please it brings out the worst in people aapka apna indar so indar i have a view on this and uh, you know i'll just tell you that uh, and then i'll let the panel give their views then we can move on to the place of worship i was on a, pa- a panel yesterday for roly books with nidhi and uh, one reporter on why the media has got to where it's got to and i said nidhi your organization is responsible as much as any other and i must say nidhi very gracefully took the criticism i said 10 years ago when i used to see you and barkha sit on the panel and say certain channels have said this certain other people are spreading you know information that is inaccurate or is it, you know you did not want to name arnab or times now 
there was this thing that oh we are above it all and what what did that lead to they just devoured the news ecosystem i believe unless you call someone and name them and say no what you're saying is wrong and if that person doesn't withdraw i don't believe one should be courteous i think one should be courteous in an exchange of ideas what is your idea my idea is blue is better your idea red is better okay let's talk it out but if they have made a claim in a report about us which is wrong we will call out that your report is wrong and there is no compromise either you withdraw your report or we will metaphorically kick your ass on twitter until you are embarrassed many of them are too shameless to be embarrassed that's a different matter but i disagree that when someone lies about you unless it is an unequivocal jo bhi word hota hai withdrawal of that lie there is no compromise on that so at least <laughs> i will continue to attack anyone who lies about news laundry on twitter i am not going to sit and have a dialogue although i would love to but that dialogue will be a one sided ass whooping i'm done gentlemen and ladies <laughs> my drop no i think i personally went uh, i mean i agree that i spent too much time than usual on this twitter battle but i was really angry you know and it's not about see we are used to critiquing other people and we are totally okay with anyone critiquing us so you can find you can you know call us whatever the hell you want to and which is why often we also don't respond to every other week these guys have an article on you ye naxal laundry hai ye urban hai naxal hai ye wo hai terror supporter hai whatever we don't really respond to it because a, it's just it's just stupid because you know it, this is just a never ending thing but anyway ignoring all of that this was a report that swarajya put up without a byline accusing our colleague basant of harassing someone harassing a covid patient a complete fabrication you know this is based on a tweet Basant replies to that tweet and says, "You have no proof to say that I have harassed you. Here's a screenshot. I've only done the decent thing as a journalist to reach out to you with questions to give you a chance to respond, and this is this is the done journalistic thing. Now, when all this information is out there, you still have a post maligning us, saying that news laundry ethics and intentions are questionable, and I'm quoting from this piece. So, I mean, it made me livid because this is not a question of simply saying that we are bad, we are left, we are naxal or whatever. It's lying about a reporter, yeah." it's maligning him and that post is going to be online you know and a lot of people are not going to know the context so i for one definitely and i mean yeah i agree with abhinandan that you can't keep quiet you can ignore people for a certain amount of time but you can't ignore people who are just blatantly lying about and refusing to correct your lies you know hmm. refusing to update it was two days since basant had put his response on twitter and you didn't manage to update it and then you're writing stuff like you know nl's intentions or ethics are in doubt for two very brilliant reports that both atul and basan did they're actually reports that are pro z employees because z employees are the ones who complain to us and in fact uh, there is a basic journalistic courtesy that you have to get that person's view before you put a report here they are saying asking for the view is unjournalistic matlab ye to ulta hi ho gaya hai sab so anyway so that is why So I, also, I think, yeah, that's that's the bigger problem here. If you are saying that you are a journalistic organization, then these are basic ethics. Like, say, for example, for whatever reason, you didn't reach out to us for a for our side of the story, right? Fine. But when we point it out to you, the first thing you do is you update your story. Say, News Laundry has reached to us. They had said this, 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 and this, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. Just the I think the day before. we published two stories in the evening one from assam and one from uh, pratik in pune and both stories in pratik story for example we got one fact wrong in the larger scheme of the story that's insignificant we could have just let it be or we could have just made a correction without telling anybody right nobody would have caught it but we carried an update saying that we got this small fact wrong and this is the right one 
that is what you do that is where your credibility comes from if you're just like don't tell the people where you get your source where you get your if you make your errors and you don't even let alone apologize for it you don't even correct that where is the credibility i mean the whole profession of journalism rests on credibility you don't have power in that sense like say politicians have the police have the military have what gives you power is your credibility that when you're telling saying something it's going to be truth and if you are misinformed you don't get the truth in the first go when it's pointed out to you you acknowledge it hmm. people like i mean uh, i i believe that reporters without orders have called the swati woman for i mean these people are never going to engage because they know, I, know that they're not going to be able to jaggi has been on several times on hafta he's been on media rumble i'm happy to call them again but i can tell you many of them refuse to have a dialogue yeah. because when they have a dialogue they get exposed there is a reason why arnab sudhir none of these guys have the guts to come on a platform with me and just so you know bechare sudhir he was very probably excited to come to the jaipur lit fest and he was put on the panel with me and while i was there suddenly i was told oh sudhir ji will not be able to make it because he must have seen the bloody panel and suddenly didn't show up because when these guys are on a platform with you they will have to answer questions that you ask in, yeah. i mean talking into a camera and talking all lies is fine but the one someone says acha bhai to ye bata then up chup ho jaoge na yeah but i broadly i agree twitter fights are useless and i i am totally with you on that and i i will restricted to once in 6 months chalo aapka quota ho gaya now uh, let's just come to this issue of opening place of worship in karnataka now just to give you context in other parts of the world you know imran khan was grappling with this because in pakistan there was you know the orthodox muslim cleric said that we are not going to not do namaz we will do bloody social distancing go to hell donald trump has recently uh, said that worship should be included in what activities what are they called essential services mm-hmm. basically churches are essential services so you have to allow people to come to the church and jo bhi congregation jo bhi hoti hai uh, he has done it because that is his voter base so let's start with you uh, manisha mehraj do you think they should open places of worship or is it an unessential service or should we just leave it to people's discretion i don't think it should be a decision for politicians or religious leaders or anybody it's a decision for epidemiologists it's a decision for public health experts i mean yeah obviously the politician will then have to sign on the order but the decision should be taken by the person public health expert why mm. does uh, religion come into this i, I don't understand I mean, but this is a problem i mean it's easier said than done because i mean people when it comes to religion are very emotional so uh, i don't know if you have just a few days ago last week in fact earlier this week there was eid right, right. so kashmir celebrated eid one day earlier than like delhi or other parts of india that is because the previous night so the in kashmir what happens is so if the crescent is seen new moon is seen in pakistan so they go with that right and the rest of the country goes with whatever the shahi imam says and all that that happens because they are following an archaic system i mean it's a very cute system i mean it's very like traditional it's a harmless tradition but it's very archaic these days you can know like 200 300 years in advance when eid is going to be within like a min- minutes margin of error if you just tell on astronomy even a ma student of astronomy he can give you a calendar i mean it's the same thing like in earlier times for example they used to do namaz according to the shadows of the sun and all that now you have a watch you can do the same thing you can ask an astronomer just tell us when it is but you don't do that because you have these religious traditions and all that which are useless i mean even this for example celebrating eid shouldn't be a matter for religious leaders clerics it should be a matter for astronomers and whatever the scientists and all those whether experts they can tell you but it doesn't happen that way 
So that is a problem. I mean, it's a problem of scientific temperament is not as developed developed as it should be. What do you think, Manisha? Can you stop people from worshipping? Of course you can, especially in this. I mean, this is a real public health crisis. And I think people are also smart enough. I mean, people no, are... No, they're not. I I think even the devout will understand, that When it comes to Hindus, at least, and I mean, even Muslims for that matter, like you do namaz at home, there's no... In fact, you just have to look at the direction, right? There's not even a need for a structure. If I'm not, if I'm getting no, my... not really. You can pray any anywhere. I mean, Eid namaz was not done. Eid is a congregational namaz, right? And Friday is a congregational namaz. But, but if you can't do that, yeah, I'm... you do at home. I mean, it's if you can't do it, there's not like you'll you'll be committing a big sin or whatever. You will be forgiven. Every every Hindu household I know have a little tem- temple in their house, a little place where they. I don't know. I I don't. I never did. But the point That's is that. Atheist. No, we are we, we don't do idol worship. But the point is that. But anyway, regular Hindus. They have, regular Hindus, yo. Regular Hindus in the house. Regular Hindus have. Yeah, you know, when you said people are sensible, have you seen the photograph of Lokhandwala, that coffee shop street? All those sensible writers of Bollywood, struggling actors, actresses. Ek then lockdown shift, one bloody, it's like a party happening there. Or so take it. doing ma- that. Why will not the uncles and aunties saying, Hambi jake, asi brawla pavan aya, asi brawla pavan aya? So there you're right, like, sabki shraddha ke anusar, like, I did line up outside the theka. Haan, to tum apne ma- ma- mandir mein matha theka hai koi, apne prasad khane theka ya? Shraddha anusar kar rahe hai, but no, I also pray. Aap apni shraddha anusar, daru ki line mein, ya prasad ki line mein rakh sakte hai. Yeah, but anyway, personally, I think, I don't understand why people need to congregate in a place to uh, worship. I think prayers are best done alone in the quiet of your room. And I, I personally don't see why. Like drinking. <laughs> drinking is nicer with people. I am not someone who likes to drink alone. Uh, you should have good company when you drink. And praying is, I think, uh, it's best if you are in your in your own space. And I don't understand the point of, I don't know how people connect to God in places of worship. Manisha, sorry. So you were saying all... Uh, Quote unquote, regular Hindus have temples at homes. Are you a regular Hindu? Yeah, I'm a regular Hindu. As regular I haven't as... seen a temple. I haven't seen a temple in your home. But I'm not a regular Hindu. I don't believe in having. <laughs> okay. If I need to pray, I pray. Uh, I don't need an ID. I'm evolved that way, you know. Too good. So that's all for this week's Hafta that we're all recording from home because we are maintaining the hygiene and protocols of the COVID era. Uh, hopefully, our colleague will be with us next week, uh, working and reporting and all that stuff. Until then, thank you all for your support, for your subscription, for your criticism and for your feedback. I'm sorry I could not read out many of the mails that have come today and we had so many mails that came. There's one mail though that I read which was really funny uh, while we were waiting in uh, the office. Okay. My, it's on the second name, first name thing. I think you should read that. It's really one. It's a really funny email. And we can just end on that maybe. Okay, that's a long one. So this is what we had spoken about last week. That is it sexism that people tend to call women by their first names and men by their second names. So Farooq has said, Hi Hafta team, my name is Farooq. I'm a subscriber from Kerala. Working as a data security consultant for Cisco. As you have had a very detailed discussion on second names, I thought I would share a few interesting observations I had on this. Once when I was talking about Mr. Vajpayee in college, an ABV friend told me that we should call him Atalji instead of Vajpayee because calling by second name is part of Western culture, not ours. The same guy used to refer to Mr. Advani as Advani Ji, not Lal Krishnji. 
most Keralaites don't have a second name except of course Nayars and Menans. But initials like KV, VT, K, MT, and all KV, Kamat, PN, Nenan, AK, Antony, etc. These initials generally short forms of the house they were born or they lived in. School and university certificates mostly have initials only. It's only at the time of passport application that the use of the full form. One of my friends lost a connecting flight because he couldn't understand his own second name when announced. <laughs> Channels like Times and Republic call leaders of NDA and its allies by second name and opposition leaders by their first name, like Fadnavis, Modi, Jaitley, Advani for the ruling alliance, Rahul, Manmohan, Mamta, Sonia for the opposition. They even use nicknames like Diggy or Sidhu. Very, very good observation. Diggy and Sidhu for Siddharamaya when they switch sides. Channels also changed, for example, Uddhav Thakre was Thakre before 2019, now he is simply Uddhav. When Mr. Arun Shori was a Modi supporter, Times Now used to call him Shori. After becoming a critic, they started calling him Arun. I remember Times Now running a ticker when Mr. Arun Shori criticized Mr. Jaitley. Arun slams Jaitley from the ticker itself. Viewers would know who is powerful and who is not. These channels also call Mr. Pinyari Vijayan Pinyari, assuming it is his first name. Technically, they are correct, but his given name is Vijayan <laughs> and the surname is Pinyari. He is the only opposition politician <laughs> who tricked these channels to call him by the surname. Modi supporters in Kerala are now religiously using G for Modi G, even though G was never part of Malayalam. But they will never call Mr. Amit Shah Shaji because Shaji is the name of a very popular contract killer character in a Malayalam movie. And that name is almost synonymous to Hitman in Kerala. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Yeah, I thought this is a really hilarious email. It's so, it's so, it's so such sharp observations on second name. Really brilliant. I had to be a Mallu. <laughs> My son Farooq. I think it also goes to how approachable a person is. I mean, Rahul Gandhi feels approachable. Whether he is or not is a different matter. Amit Shah doesn't feel approachable in that sense, right? So you can't just call him Amit. Right. Hey, Amit, what's up? Amit, how's it hanging? How's it gadget ka paranka hanging? <laughs> So, on that wonderful note, thanks, Saru, for the mail. Thank you for your support. So, before we leave them with the song, what are your recommendations, Manisha? I'm going to recommend uh, Pratik's uh, NL Sena story, which is out. Um, it's a first-person account. You should read it. And uh, watch the video along with it also. Right. Mehraj? Uh, so, I'm uh, going to recommend David Devda's piece, which is going up as we speak. So, please read that. It's about the India-China problems in Ladakh sector. So it gives you a lot of insight that you won't find elsewhere. So please, and because David has been following defense, like I said, and strategic affairs for years and years and years. So he, he has his sources and he has his insights. So please read that. Okay. I have two things to recommend. One is a podcast, which is stocks are up, but the economy is down. For all those wonderful friends of mine, if any of you are listening, who have been arguing forever, whenever they used to, of course, the Paltus who used to say Manmohan Singh is great because the stock market was doing well. They see how good he is for the country. And I would say the stock market is not an indicator of governance. In fact, it is not even the indicator for the economy. So here, these people have done a wonderful job to show you how it is not. And the second recommendation I have is to see the screenshots of the Ministry of Home Affairs Government of India with the Royal Satag photographs. So do check it out. Some poor fool handling the Home Ministry social media account will be answerable to Amit Shah for posting a picture of work being done and along with that, Royal Stag bottle and glass. <laughs> on that note, thank you all. Do write into us and if you have any abuse to leave, leave it on Manisha's Twitter timeline and if she is in a spirited mood, she will fight you.
Blues Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.